0: Welcome to SlayerFest98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today with me, I have my special co-host and moderator for the episode, Boston Globe columnist and SlayerFest98 aficionado,
1: Meredith Goldstein. Hi, Meredith. Hi.
0: <laughs> um, just so you know, Meredith told me to put that in her bio.
1: <laughs> I, I, listen, I know what I'm a fan of, and I'm proud, and <laughs> that's the way it goes.
0: Meredith is here... She said yes immediately, and I was feeling very blessed that I had someone who wanted to do this. I asked Meredith to kind of moderate and host for me this episode um, all about the women of the Buffy verse.
1: Yes. I mean, you didn't have to ask me twice to talk about women and Buffy and all that they suffer through.
0: And yeah, I'm going to let you... Uh, Take the reins, Meredith, and introduce our guests and everything. I couldn't; my podcast couldn't be in better hands. So I'm very happy you're here.
1: Oh, you're gonna make me cry. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> um, these guests are amazing. I'm just gonna go down the list. Um, first, we have Sci-Fi Fangirls contributing editor and Scooby.
2: Hi, Carly Lane here. Happy to be back.
1: <laughs> we also have Vulture writer and. Mother to professor Butch Cassidy who will have cameos throughout this episode Cassidy is a cat
3: yes Butch Cassidy is a cat and I'm Angelica J. Bastian I'm very happy to be here
1: uh we also have writer wrestling aficionado and scooby Latoya Ferguson hello everyone and I'm also excited because we have another advice columnist on the show and a queer person of note noted queer person who wrote an incredible article about a woman in the Buffy universe.
4: Lindsay King-Miller. Hi. Hi. I'm super psyched to be here.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks, all of you, for being here. Lindsay, I want to start with you because you wrote something that I think we all read. Can you talk about what you wrote and what possessed you to write it?
4: <laughs> um, yeah. So I wrote for the 20th anniversary of the premiere of Angel, uh, Angel the series, TV's Angel. Um I wrote an an essay for TV Guide about how I am now I'm just realizing that I should have asked a really important question before we started recording, which is, can I say swear words? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Thank you. So I wrote this article for TV Guide that was all about how badly Angel fucked over its female characters and particularly Cordelia Chase um, by having all of them basically die in childbirth. there's this horrible like string of mystical pregnancies ending in death that plagues the angel verse. Cordelia herself gets mystically pregnant 3 separate times, all of which are life-threatening and then the final one kills her. Um Darla also dies in childbirth. Fred arguably uh, it's it's a little it's a little less clear-cut, but I basically I think Fred also dies in childbirth. Um and it's Makes me crazy and um, really frustrates me how little imagination is given to resolving all of these women's character arcs because they just all end the same way. So I, I wrote this article, um, and I uh, was was really excited to get to work with TV Guide on it and to work with this awesome editor, Krutika, who um, was just like super supportive and um, you know obviously like kind of let me go off on. On my rant, which I appreciated, and then um, probably the reason that we're talking about this now is that after the article was published, um, Charisma Carpenter saw it and retweeted it and like said nice things about it, and so that was the highlight of my um, writing career and and just existence as a human being, and that's why. And, like, did I Did she say anything in I'm particular? Here.
1: Like, what did? How did she specifically respond?
4: Um, she, she tweeted it and she said something like this articulates so much that I have always thought and never had the opportunity to say, which was, I mean, it was incredibly meaningful. And she also reached out to me back channel too. And we talked about it a little bit and, and, um, you know, it, it, it resonated with her, I think to have somebody, to have somebody say that her character deserved better and that she also, like Cordelia deserved better, but also Charisma Carpenter deserved better. They were both treated very poorly by the show and the narrative and, you know, individual people who I don't necessarily need to name. But um but I think that it was she indicated that that she appreciated someone speaking up for Cordelia. Who was basically like, of
1: course, now all of our favorite characters, I think, for the most part. But um, you know, it... One of the things you t- talk oh about gosh. is sort of that there were so many other ways to deal with the pregnancy, like in real life and just as a character. And, you know, you had me Googling a lot of possibilities with other characters and I don't know, a way, it like, you know, I, I wanted to go through, <laughs> since this is all about the women of the Buffyverse anyway, and talk about these women characters and sort of how they're treated and punished accordingly. And um, who wants to just start with like, a Cordelia Mm -hmm. arc statement of like, when does it stop being satisfying? And is it satisfying to anyone, to anyone here?
2: Well, and Lindsay, something that you just said really struck me. How, how you're, how you said it, how unimaginative it is to basically write these women off, you know, through pregnancy, a form of pregnancy. I mean, you could say metaphorically with the Fred and Elyria storyline, like, Mm -hmm. I think We see now, you know, decades after the fact, there's so many better ways to treat motherhood and pregnancy with female characters on television, not just genre television, but like any television, (laughs) you know, I mean, we're seeing shows now where, and I think part, part of it is maybe there's a real life pregnancy that happens behind the scenes where in the past showrunners and writers might've felt like their hands were tied and there were only so many different ways that they could, you know, I don't know, resolve an arc or even, even showcase. Like we see so many instances where like, it's, you know, spot the bump, like hiding behind the lamp or the, or the pillow or the baggy clothing. And it's interesting now in retrospect, looking at like back then with what they did with, you know, Charisma Carpenter and how she was basically written off the show. I'm not going to like put words in anyone's mouth, but the implication seemed to be that she got pregnant and then, you know, they were like, what do we do? (laughs) Um, But, but we're, I feel like we're seeing now such a shift where just because a character gets pregnant, that doesn't mean that's, that's an arc ending story. Like there there are ways for the story to continue that can still be satisfying. Admittedly, I will say that I've only ever seen Angel once. So the entire entire show all the way through. I feel like for me, watching Buffy um, as many times as I have, Cordelia is a character who has only gotten better on like, as I've gotten older, she's someone that I've come to respect as a character in a way that I don't think I necessarily did watching as a teenager for the first time. you see her layers, you see her complexity. And I think that's what makes the end of her arc so unfortunate. And so like heartbreaking almost, um, because you see the journey, you see the evolution and then it kind of, she basically gets sacrificed for, you know, the big, bad, you know, arc of the season. So I I think it's one of those things where as as an older, like adult viewer, you see, you see the places where like you kind of mourn what could have been almost in a lot of ways that's kind of my feeling overall <laughs> it was a very long-winded way to get to my point but it, it it's one of those things where looking at genre television now and how a lot of sci-fi and fantasy shows either choose to deal with pregnancy or not like it, it feels like a very missed opportunity in a lot of ways
1: yeah one thing i think about a lot is just how differently angel and buffy as shows treat the women characters um the body horror that happens on Angel I mean you talk about Cordelia continuing to get pregnant and even in those early episodes when she has like a one night stand and she's like a million months pregnant the next day just like comparing these two shows um does anybody have thoughts about just how like women's bodies are treated in one versus the other
4: I I think there's this this perception that Angel was and I and I mean I feel like this was the perception when they were both on the air is that Angel was the the darker and the more grown-up show. And one of the ways that that television, you know, tells you that something is dark and gritty and mature is by doing horrible things to female characters. Honestly, there's there's a lot of that you know there's there's body horror like you said there's the, there's all the pregnancy horror there's more sexual violence on angel than there is on buffy um and i think it always struck me as kind of a way of saying you know buffy is a show for for girls it's a sh- it's a show for teenage girls but this is a show for grown ups mm. and you can tell because women are suffering
1: you bring up an interesting point Carly about like not having gone through it once and I realized it was after Lindsay's article that I started my rewatch and I realized how Mm. much I skip certain sections because it's so upsetting like who who has watched this as many times Angel as many times as Buffy (laughs) I'm gonna raise
5: my hand (laughs) that would be me and I especially once uh, I get to season six and season seven in my Buffy rewatch I'm like oh it's ready I'm just ready to go through Angel like I'm really
1: ready (laughs) And, and do you get the same, like, solace from it that so many people get from Buffy? I
5: actually kind of do, and I, uh, I'm going to be the heathen on this uh, podcast right now and say... So I think that, uh, ultimately, those final two seasons of Buffy really just kind of bungle things up. Uh, I think season six has a lot of great ideas. I think the execution is not the best and it's just kind of make, makes for a miserable watching experience as we're currently in Slayerfest, Fest. Uh, we talk about how like all of the previously's are like the most miserable bleakest thing you could possibly see. It's like, wow, I'm really excited to watch this upcoming episode now uh, after you just see everyone is miserable and unhappy. It's like, wow, that's great. And I think, honestly um season seven with uh the potential slayer stuff and you know everyone kicking Buffy out of her own home and I'm just like what the hell am I watching at this point I'm also like not the biggest fan of Angel's final season but I think ultimately the way the show ends it tells the story the show was kind of always telling with redemption and how you keep fighting you know no matter what whereas uh I like the end of Buffy like I really, really did not take to the new Slayer. So, like, activating more and, like, the follow-up with that, like, reading the comics and everything, I'm just like, wow, I, <laughs> uh, this, this kind of just lost me at the end uh, with, with what the story was. Uh, as much as I enjoy girl power and empowerment of women, I'm like, yeah, but, you know, what kind of Buffy story I feel kind of gets lost by the end of the series.
1: No, it's true. Um, and this might be a good time to start sort of going through these characters and talking about the conclusions, right? Because, like, did we get satisfied by their arc? And I'm not really counting the comments and the comics in this, but um, yeah. uh, You know, Cordelia does get to come back after her sort of demise in this, you know, we throw the phrase emotional labor around a lot, but I always think about like how much emotional work she does for other characters, even in her final episode on
4: Angel. Oh, I was just going to say, especially because... um... As we maybe probably all know, because she's talked about it in the past, Charisma Carpenter's um, condition for doing that episode in the final season of Angel, where she comes back, um, was specifically that she wouldn't die. Um, yeah. She, like, she agreed to do it on the condition that Cordelia wouldn't die, and then right. she died. So, that's cool. Uh, everyone just everyone just well, really treated her very well throughout throughout that whole situation.
5: Well, Meredith, you you know you were talking about uh, about uh, Cordelia's arc, and I think Cordelia's arc is phenomenal until uh, it's no longer her arc. Lindsay, in your article, you know, you write about how basically, like season four is like it's not Cordelia, you know, and really, it's everything up till that really is, I think, great. And even you know, you're welcome. The final episode is great. Like all the Cordelia stuff is great. The non-Cordelia stuff, which is season four, that's not great for the, <laughs> for the character at all. But I think honestly. Her arc is beautiful. Her actual arc is beautiful.
1: No, that's a, that's a cleaner way to look at it that we can just cut it off at a certain point. But um, let's go through through, through some yeah. other uh, Buffy universe characters, which um, we might as well start with Buffy. So I'm going to ask Angelica to sort of talk about that arc. And, and can you kick us off with this, talking about how satisfied one can be with how Buffy is rewarded and punished and you know, gets her closure throughout the series?
3: Oh my God, that's such a big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I can talk about Buffy like all day long in her art because I think it's just such a fascinating display of a young girl and then a young woman really grappling with her own autonomy and trying to get a sense of autonomy in her life and dealing with these various power structures, whether it's the Watcher's Council or even just her mom, you know, people who have more power than her in some ways, like, are seemingly acting like they have more power than her when they don't, which, you know, she does end up coming to realize, which I really love. But, you know, speaking of conclusions and where, really, Cassidy? I guess he's a really big Buffy fan, too. Um, <laughs> speaking of her conclusion, though, and where her arc ends, I have mixed feelings about the last season and how it treated her character, Um I think the show, like Latoya was saying, does kind of fall apart in the seventh season and but it does end with her being single, which I really did like. I like this idea that Buffy ended like at the start of a different journey in her life, which was just being a single woman and really figuring out what she wanted for herself and then op- and I think there is some beauty though to her giving power to other you know, potential slayers. I really do like the imagery of that, even though I don't feel like it's fully earned. But Buffy's a fascinating character because she's also dealt with, you know, really her sexual life has always been something I feel Buffy never, as a show, never dealt with very well. Because, I mean, her sexual experiences are kind of fraught in a lot of ways, except for maybe, you know, with Riley when their relationship was healthy before things took a downturn. Um, but I w- I would be really curious to hear what everybody else thinks about Buffy's sexual life in particular.
2: <laughs> so, you know, what's funny is I actually, for, for Fangirls, we just had a conversation about, like, the ships of Buffy on our podcast. And, you know, the many boyfriends of Buffy um, pour one out. I still pour one out for, like, the alternate version of season four where Buffy and cute little Pablo Pascal uh, go off into the sunset together and he doesn't get eaten by a vampire. But, um... You make a great point, Angela. uh, I think Buffy's sex life for uh, most of the show is wrapped up in, in it's wrapped up in metaphor. It's wrapped up in a lot of things. I mean, even with Riley, it's, it starts off relatively healthy in spite of, you know, uh, in spite of Maggie. And, and then unfortunately, I think a lot of it is he starts to feel threatened his, you know, his masculinity, and so it starts to go off the rails a little bit. I I do appreciate that the show allows her to kind of reconnect with some of her past loves towards the end of the show. You know, Angel, Spike, and Riley being like chief among them. She kind of has her moment with when Riley comes back and he's married and they have their closure. And then, you know, she has her reunion with Angel, which kind of feels like them both acknowledging that. You know, maybe it's not the right time for them either. And I think ultimately what was satisfying for me, even if season seven is definitely a mixed bag, is the show sh- kind of depicting her as like this strong mentor figure to younger women and like, like you said, active you know, help Willow her and Willow activating the other potential Slayers, giving them the power, showing her in that leadership role. As opposed to, you know, and and more independent as opposed to necessarily needing, like, I hate to use the term the fulfillment of a romantic relationship, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that she, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I don't know if she necessarily realizes that like throughout the show that she doesn't need a man (laughs) or, or a relationship until that, until that last season where she realizes, you know, she can kind of find that peace on her own you know we see her smiling in in the last frame of the show which i think is in spite of maybe the tumultuous journey that she took to get there is is was for, always for me pretty satisfying to watch as a fan so yeah <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's true that's true i i it was funny we were talking about on the ship episode and i was like look i I will say I I, I get the appeal of kids. them in, like, you know, early Slayer days, but I also kind of like them as, like, the den moms of season seven, like, co-leading and, you know, I, I could see it happening then, too, so.
0: <laughs> Wait, I love, I, real quick, I just want to say, yes, <laughs> thank you, Carly, because that's always my defense. Yeah. I love them as, like... They're just like corralling all these like young. Oh my gosh! Like like tired moms. Yeah. Yeah, I love like one's the like cool mom, one's the like strict mom. I love it. Yes, (laughs) it's great. Anyway, sorry.
5: Oh, quote unquote cool cool mom. I'm sorry, (laughs) quote unquote cool mom. The way she is speaking in season seven. I'm just saying. I, guess I, I will bring it up every time. What What were they doing with her dialogue in season seven?
0: Latoya, I think we talked about that at length at brunch in LA. She's got mad skills, yo. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no.
4: It's supposed to be ridiculous, too. It's It's supposed to be like her kind of bravado and like she goes way too far trying to put on this affectation of being cool and confident, you know.
5: I'm just saying she wasn't speaking like that in season 4 of Angel, which was like days before she goes to Sunnydale.
1: <laughs> you know, Faith is obviously like another perfect character who who we can look at as, you know, are we happy? I've I've seen so many people, heard so many people talk about being completely unsatisfied with who Faith becomes at the end of Buffy and on Angel. I, I'm I feel mixed about it, but um you know, what do we think of you know how we leave Faith and and who she gets to be.
5: Uh, well, again, that's kind of one of my things that I say. Like, it kind of pushes me towards the angel side of uh, of the shows. Really, is because mm-hmm. like Faith is kind of like the perfect character for the redemption story that Angel is all about. And I think it's it's like really for like it's really great that they decided like to continue her arc on this, that show and like basically kind of wrap it up in that way and it, which is why it, it does kind of upset me the way like then when she goes to uh, to Buffy at the end it's just like I feel like no one is able to like see like the real genuine growth she was able to make on Angel really and I feel like the way she is written in season seven is like she's clearly like not the 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 killer we all knew and you know she's clearly not like the like very damaged woman like young woman she was but I just feel like it kind of, the layers are kind of missing there uh, when we get to uh, those final like season seven episodes with her.
1: Yeah, I rewatched the um, the episode this morning where she's fighting with Angelus on Angel and he says, um, I like my women to lie still. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so, um, and like thinking of her leaving that and, and being like sort of a more mute utility player on Buffy toward the end is slightly unsatisfying.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with LaToya that where we see her, Faith, end up in Buffy season seven is really, really frustrating. I think part of it frustrates me because I never felt like we got the right conclusion to the to the twinned arcs of Buffy and Faith share, like the dynamics they share. I never felt like we got a satisfying pin in that on Buffy, mm-hmm. which is to this day, will piss me off. And I say this as somebody who wrote Buffy and Faith slash fan fiction and, like, ride or die Buffy, Faith. Like, I find their dynamic so complex and so fascinating. And it's so frustrating Mm -hmm. that season seven of Buffy didn't give that what it needed, especially considering how she, like, came back in season four and all the havoc she caused, which... And, like, taking over Buffy's body and how that's such a violation. And you you never really get what they should have gotten, I feel like, in terms of the writing, it never really concluded in a way I wanted for Buffy and Faith, like, in terms of what they shared.
5: I feel like they kind of just make her, like, in season 7, like, the sidekick slayer to the exalted Buffy, which is really, is that's kind of uh, insane to me, like, that's how you're gonna wrap it up, really? Uh, there's, like, so much they could have tapped into, but they were just so focused on, you know, the first and the potentials and Uberfams, like, they really didn't, there was... Like really, no character work uh, done in, on that front, which is really just frustrating. It's like something I would have wanted uh, the final season to give me more of, instead of you know Andrew. <laughs> right.
4: Oh my god.
0: Latoya and I also talked about this at
5: <laughs> I had to get in an Andrew slam. I got to do every episode.
1: <laughs> One of the big markers of like how people are treated on this show and characters are treated is like who gets to live, right? And that'll bring us into, you know. Tara Willow stuff, mm-hmm. but like they kill off women. I mean, Jenny Callender, like we we, you know, Riley just gets to fly away and um, you know, Ian and I had just been saying uh, earlier this week that like they're not quite sure how to let people break up without killing them, but that's not altogether true, right? Like the, like a lot of the men can just live. Um, Parker is somewhere living his best life. <laughs> uh so what about how death and gender and, and plays into these shows? I mean, just like who gets to exist?
4: Oh, I was going to say, I, I feel like it, it kind of, it kind of ties back into, and obviously I'm going to say this cause this is like my soapbox that I can't get off of. Um, But I, I feel like it's such a limited view of like what kinds of storylines women can have, right. You know, they can, they can like fight against violence and oppression, um, which is, which, you know, that's the, that's the Wheaton verse version of feminism, right? Is that like a man attacks a woman and then the woman punches him in the face. Um, and then sometimes that's like metaphorical or, or on an institutional level, but whatever, it's like man attacks one woman, woman punches man in the face. Um, and, and there's, there's not that much beyond that, you know, they, there's, there's, romance stories and there's, there's friendships, but ultimately I think there's a much more narrow view of like what a women's, what women's stories can be and how they can end. And again, I, I come back to the fact that, um, Angel is allowed to be a parent and have that be part of his character arc, you know, and, and figure out what that means for him and how does that fit into his life. And no women are allowed to have that. Women just die um, because there's no, you know, there they're, it's very much feels like in the world of Buffy, they can't conceive of anything interesting that could happen to a woman after having children. Like mothers are not allowed to be badasses. Right. Right. I mean, it goes back to
2: what you, you know, you said before and that I'm, I'm just going to keep repeating it. It's unimaginative. It's, it's not, a, it's not, you're not, looking at you're looking at it in a very limited scope you know women can be mothers uh but then they get taken out of the action um you know and and i think i think (laughs) to go back to like andrew you know so andrew's allowed to live but anya dies i'm never gonna get over that (laughs) like it's just it's 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 frustrating in a way where i think there's there are a lot of different ways to view the deaths on both Buffy and Angel. I think I don't know necessarily like if if writers were considering all of the angles of what killing off a character would do at the time you know when certain when certain deaths happen. So like to bring up Willow and Tara for example, I don't in my in my head, I always think, well, you know, they probably thought, oh, in a in a world of Buffy, where supernatural things happen, like the most devastating thing would be a stray bullet that, you know, accidentally kills someone. But then it's like, but you, do you even think about like the ramifications of having a man, you know, a a a gay woman killed by a man? Like it's this thing where I'm like. I, I feel like at the time they were probably writing these things with like, oh, the shock value of like, it almost, it almost reminds me of like these, these kind of like soap opera drama conceits of like, what's the most dramatic way like to shock people, you know? And these days we have things like the barrier gaze trope and and ways that we're looking at these characters that I don't know if, I don't know if necessarily were taken into account at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think some of these deaths were framed in a certain view that didn't stop to consider other like other sides of kind of plotting these plotting these on-screen deaths if that makes sense.
5: I like I Kind of want to give uh the Warren terror thing the benefit of doubt. Because I think specifically the discussion was probably it's not, you know, just a man killing right. a lesbian, but you know, you have this misogynist who is killing this woman too, because that that was a, a big part of, you know, Warren's character in general. Um, but like obviously writers are talking about this kind of stuff now, but still there are so many times uh where yeah. like, they still do these really bad things and then they're like, oh, right. we didn't know this was a trope. It's like you, yeah, you might not have known it was a you trope, but, like, your know. writer's assistant knew it was a trope. Yeah. I, I have I have so many f- yeah. I have so many friends in like writers' rooms, like as writers' assistants and stuff, and like they like told me stories of like just how they had to basically like just they had to just keep repeating to the writers or the showrunners just, like, no, this is not going to go well, or you know, it's not and then they did it anyway, and it's like, oh wow, why did no one right. receive this well? It's like, well, you were told why. I, I
2: I mean I think you make a great point, Latoya. Like I don't I don't necessarily want to assign poor intent you know to anyone um but i think also even like now looking back on shows like buffy and we're still seeing examples of characters getting killed off you know we're still seeing examples of like marginalized characters getting killed off on television and i and i i don't understand how writers rooms like aren't taking that into account like don't don't have that framing in mind don't like aren't thinking about those kinds of the implications of like, of de- continuing to depict those things. Um I think Buffy was, is probably like one of the more egregious like examples that most people turn to, like, as the kind of, you know, the deaths that really impacted genre television in a lot of ways. Um But it's interesting, right? Like I, I think I would like to see the statistics on like when a female character leaves Buffy or Angel versus when a male character leaves, like what are the routes that happen? Um, is it death? Is it, you know, do they get to drive off into the sunset? Like what's, what are the percentages and, and kind of what is that, what does that look like?
1: I mean, I'll tell you, I did spend some time, Writing down all these like incredibly minor um, women characters from the show and like what kind of arc they they got to have and um, I was sitting here thinking like what is the worst punishment the death or to have your soulmate loved one die right like how do we associate Tara's death with Willow and and I think at the time when I watched Buffy. At first, I was thinking this is just a b- they need they need Willow to be incredibly bad and like what other way did they get there? But there are so many ways. I mean, now that I watch it so many times again, um, this this absolutely isn't the only way. And I do think that writers' rooms like just just based on my I am Sarah Michelle Geller's age, which makes me four years older than Buffy, which makes me old. And and I figured out like how <laughs> um, monumental it was for me to see Willow and Tara, Tara as a couple and um i think it was something still new i mean god my gosh the embarrassment um of watching some of the you know first episodes of angel and like how it deals with gender and race and all of these things it's like some of it was i think new framing probably and also a lack of you know diversity in writing rooms but but i just feel like Yeah. um, I don't know if that's the only way they thought they could get Willow to where she was, but I can think of like 10 reasons now. And in fact, actually, Lindsay, in your article, when you talk about other ways for Cordelia to be pregnant, like sitting on my couch, I could come up with five, five ways that she could be pregnant and fighting on that show just based on what you introduced. So uh I just say that I, I see an alternative for Willow turning evil, and it just involves a, like a
5: magical relapse. And I didn't. I don't need more magic as drugs that way. Honestly,
0: please no. I, no more like, I think I would rather drugs. the death
5: than more <laughs> magic as drugs.
1: Yeah. No, no. No. I mean, the Anya thing. It's interesting because I hate it, hate it, hate it, and yet Anthony on this podcast has. It, and it is anthony right who talks about
0: i know what you're gonna quote and yeah probably it is anthony i'm pretty sure mm-hmm.
1: he uses like
5: the jedi mind trick with when he's when he's talking about oh the show God. it's not I, fair
1: i think he introduces this idea that like in order to have like a full human experience anya was meant to die and okay fine <laughs> however i if, if anya's meant to have all these experiences and understand her own mortality because of it after so many years the idea that she doesn't get the marriage i mean like Things are stripped away from her, their experiences she never gets to have, and then she dies and saving Andrew. So I, I don't know. Like I don't buy into that part of it where she got to live. I don't
4: really wish marriage to Xander on her, though. That's that's a human experience, <laughs> I feel like. It doesn't have, it
5: doesn't have to be the Xander. She could have found a nice young her. man.
4: I, I'd rather Anya, like,
1: live the human experience and, like, die like the woman in Titanic throwing that, like, I want to see her at,
4: like, <laughs> 110 being like, I did it. <laughs> and throwing her, like, power yes. source amulet into the ocean. I would that read would that awesome. fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. somebody, somebody write that fan please. Yes uh what about willow's arc in general
1: you know in terms of how we you know i'd forgotten how much they use her just because i skip around with angel to watch the i, I swear when i go to angel for a rewatch i go to smile time and then i go back to buffy I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i had forgotten how much um and how willow is used in this show uh but what does everybody think about like from start to finish, like, how Willow is rewarded and punished?
5: I mean, I kind of feel like Willow is, and this is going to sound terrible, is not punished enough after her actions in season six in general. I mean, Mm -hmm. not even just evil Willow, but, you know, mind-raping Tara. I mean, I know we're all happy when they get together, but she still mind-rapes Tara. And that was, honestly, the worst thing you could have done. And it's just... That's again uh, my like major issue with like the sticking of the landing for Buffy because it's like this is also the problem I have with Andrew, It's just like you do these really terrible things and it's like well it's okay uh, we don't really need to you know go through this whole redemption process you're you're fine now it's good now it's like Andrew should have gone to prison I don't even have to wish death on him he should have gone to prison and I feel like Willow just going back to like sunshiny Willow after season six is kind of insane to me. And I know that there are moments, obviously, where she has to, like, process some things. But I feel like, really, it's not as big a a deal as it should have been, really. And it is that thing they even bring up in uh, Selfless, where it's just like, uh, if you're in the inner circle, you're forgiven so quickly with Buffy. Like, Buffy, Xander, Willow, like, can do, like, Xander Willow can do terrible things and they'll be easily forgiven. But, you know, uh, Anya does one terrible thing and it's like, well, gotta kill her. We gotta kill her.
4: Yeah. Did anybody else ever feel like they there's kind of a way in which they killed off Tara rather than dealing with the real implications of how badly Willow treated her and what that would mean for their relationship? You know, like uh, on the cusp of getting back together. Like obviously everybody wants to see them together. They're they're, you know, we we love our happy lesbian couples, but they had so much shit to work through. So many horrible I borderline unforgivable things that Willow did to her. I mean, is is it crazy to say they took Kara, took Tara off the show rather than have to really deal with what it would mean to rebuild that relationship? I guess because it's just like it's
5: it is, I guess it's would be holding Willow accountable if they did like keep Tara alive and they had to address that. But they obviously were not going to do that. Which, again, is what my problem is with the whole thing, really. Well, and
2: I was just going to mention this earlier, but the bulk of her kind of, I guess you could say, recovery happens off screen between six and seven. I mean, she basically gets, you know, talked down from destroying the world by Xander in the crayon speech. And then <laughs> and then we cut to her with um, Giles in seven, you know, in recovery. but. They, I, they don't really ever say like what happened you know she's been kind of like a guess in magic rehab or something but the bulk of that you know time that probably should have been spent with on her kind of like atoning maybe is completely just skipped over really and then I and then you kind of get a little bit of it with um, you know with the whole like Kennedy turning into Warren thing, but that's not even, I mean, that doesn't, I don't know how much that it is really about Tara. That's just about her own kind of guilt on, you know, her, the role that she played in, in that, you know, his death and everything. So it, it, it did feel like a missed opportunity. I would, I would agree with that.
1: You're right. They totally played that one episode as if it's, you know, processing the Warren murder, not at all the Tara stuff one person I wanna bring up, uh, which of course like immediately makes me wanna like, you know, yell at someone is Kendra. Uh, and uh, when we think about like, I know <laughs> it's like,
4: when we think about,
1: when when I think about, oh, well this character had to die as a plot device to bring us to the next point, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably some of the defense that we would hear. It but... could have been a
5: better fight sequence, I'm just saying.
1: Yes.
3: Oh my oh, god! Totally. Yes. Totally. If you're gonna have her die, make it epic. Not whatever that was. <laughs> it was she
5: died via a, a fingernail
0: cut. Death, death by French manicure. <laughs> <She did.
1: laughs> <Right?
5: laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and how are you gonna
3: do that to someone who to a character you're trying to make seem like a bad bitch that undercuts bad bitch? Like it just doesn't Justice make sense. Justice for Bianca sense. Lawson. I just don't get come it. on, people. I know. Seriously. Just I wish I could oh God, if there's one character that like will always get Angelica. under my skin, it is it is Kendra and that accent. Oh my god.
5: Uh love it. I'm sorry. I
3: love her and also I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs>
5: uh, it's, it is iconic that accent. It is iconic. It's something all right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, poor Kendra. Kendra couldn't even be a whole person because she was black on Buffy. It sucks. Ooh. You know, that's kind of how it goes.
1: Um, if we can switch over back to Angel just for a second, um I wanted to talk about Fred. And Lindsay, you bring up, I, I would have never drawn the parallel to pregnancy, which is fascinating. And I think when I first watched it, I also was thinking a little bit about, um, you know, characters who, you know, I was thinking about memory loss and and you know what older people go through and all of this stuff and you're right though it's it's absolutely like can be seen as a pregnancy metaphor and it is heartbreaking and another reason why i often skip those episodes but uh does anyone any of our angel aficionados want to talk about just sort of whether or not they're at all satisfied by the ending they gave fred
5: i will just say that amy acker is phenomenal And she is Grey's Illyria. Like, I literally, watching it, like, when it aired, I was blown away that it was even the same actress. She's just so good in that role. Uh, I enjoy that series finale. I don't don't know if I would ever think this is definitely where Fred's character should go, which is the, the, the real question is like, wow, should this be where it goes? And it's just one of those things where... I overall enjoy the story, but I'm just like, but but Fred, do we have to kill Fred? Why are we gonna kill everyone? Why can't we, why can't we kill off Connor? I know he's like just off with his like new family, but like why can't we kill off Connor? Connor, Andrew, it's like all of <laughs> these people we'd rather <laughs> we'd rather I mean, like just sacrifice them. <laughs> Can we have a, a male sacrifice instead, please? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and yet the scene where she is sort of. Um, Tending to Wesley as he's dying, like I don't know she's that I so good. That's see, that's so how they get good. you. That's how they get you. that scene in.
0: I I do want to interject real quick. I do remember reading. I don't know if you all remember this, and also because it was back then, I don't know if this was true. That the original plan was because they didn't know they were going to be canceled. Right, the original plan was to have it be that Fred could come back, like in some way, and it would be like wavering back and forth, yeah. and they like touch upon it in the comics and i almost feel like that would have been a better story like i'm like i agree with all of mm-hmm. you
5: yeah that was the plan like, yeah yeah. And sharing about it with all
0: of you like her acting sells it and that is how they get you but yeah. I, I always wondered about that storyline because i think i would have liked that better the idea of like oh they're fighting for control but maybe they somehow come to an agreement that like when they need to fight elyria comes out maybe when they don't i don't know
5: it'd be like a better version of uh caitlin and killer frost on the flash right now so right it'd be a much better version <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's not too
5: hard, though. Whew, man. <laughs> what the hell happened to that show? Anyway, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I, I... We're throwing shade now. We're at that part of the podcast.
0: <laughs> D- don't get Latoya started on other shows.
1: <laughs> Someone tweeted at us, Ian, now I'm already forgetting who, about Lila, which is just... She's uh, so good. She's, like, one of my favorite Angel characters, so she's so good, and... Uh, You know, just actually, she's one of the characters I'm Mm -hmm. I'm satisfied to some extent by her narrative, and I have Mm -hmm. such empathy for Lila. But um, where do we think she fits in in terms of the treatment of women on that show?
4: It's certainly, I think, pretty easy to to look at the difference between Lila's storyline and Lindsay's storyline, and kind of, I mean, maybe I'm over interpreting it, but kind of see it as a microcosm of how. Women's and men's storylines are resolved on on those shows. You know, Lila and Lindsay are both they're both very, very evil. They're both, you know, they're they're lawyers and they're they'll never ever be any good. Lindsay gets to walk away. Well, I mean, until he
5: doesn't, though. Right.
4: Well, and then and then he gets to come back and and be and be heroic. And and Lila just sort of you know, we we have they we have that scene where Wesley tries to um like set Lila's soul free by distro- by burning up her mm. contract, right? And he and he can't even do that. There's no like there is no resolution for Lila. She's just stuck there forever. In theory, uh,
5: because we we'll, well, I guess we'll never know. I, I don't know if the comics ever touched it. Wouldn't the same also be the case for Lindsay? Isn't his contract like he's also bound to a woman Heart, technically, right? Because I doubt he did anything with
4: his contract. Oh, that's true. I, I guess I don't, I guess I don't know, but, but, but because he... Yeah, he just,
5: he attacks, but like, obviously they still
4: like, oh, right. he's a mortal soul. Yeah, that's true. That's that's probably like no take backs on that.
0: I don't think they do touch upon, I don't, they don't really like do a lot of Wolfram and Hart in the comics, but they do have like, there's a, there's one really good, um, angel willow crossover where it's like angel willow connor and spike and it's the most i've ever loved connor where like they have to go to a different dimension for i don't know what reason but it's like a really good dynamic and like (laughs) lila is the wolfman heart lawyer they encounter there and that's like kind of the only time they touch upon that
5: i mean i'm sure it's it's easy to like enjoy connor on the page (laughs) i mean that wasn't necessarily the problem
0: (laughs)
4: everything no everything connor (laughs) represents is bad there's no there's
5: nothing good about He was such a cute baby though. He was such a cute
4: <laughs> oh, baby. <my>
5: <laughs> I ask this question all the time because it didn't I don't understand how this is like no offense to Vincent Carthizer, but like how he we're supposed to buy him as the child of David Boreanaz and Julie Benz. <laughs> and I'm always wondering, like, who was like in the WB stable of boys who like do you think was like up for the role? <laughs> like I imagine like Matt Zucry was up for the role yeah <laughs> chad michael murray was busy like who like who i always want to know who else like auditioned to be angel's son because like it, what clearly wasn't just like vincent Garthizer like other people had to have auditioned for this i will role. say back
0: then i totally thought he was hot what wow judge me really? I, know, I know i deserve it
1: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I, was like, I thought <laughs> <to your hall. laughs> Whoever said Julie Benz? I mean, we got to talk about Darla. Uh, love, oh, so I love I love Darla. Then <laughs> you talk about, like, pregnancy and sacrifice, self-sacrifice on that storyline. Uh, Lindsay, you want to kick us off with just the friggin' heartbreak of this whole thing? Sure.
4: I mean, the the thing about it is that I actually think that storyline in particular kicks ass. Like, I love seeing how Darla grows from, you know, like when she comes back from the dead and she's she's human again but she's sick and she wants to be turned into a vampire because she's dying and um and and all of all of her motivation is like is really self-serving um and seeing her go from that to sacrificing herself for her child like I it's maybe kind of it's maybe kind of done. Like it's not a brand spanking new storyline, but I thought it's, I thought it was handled really well. And I thought it was really moving at the time. Um, But then you put it in the context of like all of these other things that happened to women and mothers on this show. And it starts to, it starts to just be too much. You know, if it had just been, if, if Darla had been the only mystical pregnancy storyline that ever happened on Angel. Like I probably would have loved it and would never have said a negative word about it because Julie Benz fucking sells it.
1: It is one of the, even just watching her, you know, at like singing to Lorne and and that whole storyline is just ugh, so beautifully heartbreaking. But, um, you know, one of the things I think a lot about with, uh, you know, what was revolutionary to me about Buffy is Buffy is a character is not that great with emotional stuff. I mean, she does so little to preserve her friendship sometimes. She never, you know, when there's conflict with other characters, she's honestly very rarely the person to work that out. She's often not sharing. She's often a loner. And to me, that was like such an important thing to see that it was Giles often picking up the pieces of all of that emotional work. Mm -hmm. And in, in Angel, Cordelia... I think I said before, does so much of that. And I I don't know, does anybody else, did anybody else relate to, I I think over and over about how awful Buffy is to Cordelia sometimes about conversations I instinctively want her to have with other characters to make them feel better, to make them understand her, also specifically with Faith. Um, And I thought that was kind of groundbreaking to have this woman character who's kind of got better things to do and is like, you'll all figure it out. because on Angel, it's Cordelia who is constantly that that middle person.
5: Uh, I think that, that's an interesting point because I like honestly, we I think we can all agree that uh, both shows lose something when they no longer have that character around uh, with Giles on Buffy and with Cordelia on Angel. Like, uh, no matter how you feel about like either show, I, I, do we all agree that like once the lack of Giles and the lack of Cordy, like that really takes something away from both shows? Oh God, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yes,
3: yeah,
5: and it's, I, it's interesting. I kind of enjoy to the point that they don't try to find anyone to like fill that hole. And, Cause I think that specifically would be kind of like just a kick in the teeth to both of those characters. Like they're, they're not trying, they don't get anyone to fill like the emotional uh, support role, I guess that both Giles and Cordy have, like, even though like when Cordy left Buffy, you know, we got, we got our Anya and our Spike as the quote unquote Cordelia replacements, even though they kind of, they serve different roles also. But it, I mean, Obviously uh, Giles gets to live and be happy and British and Cordy doesn't though. So here we go again.
1: She even like, to some extent is like punished for getting really good at it. Like she's given this like vision gift and empathy and like every time she succeeds more and more, it's like, Nope, now you've got to be a higher power. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> and then they, and then they walk it back and then they say, Oh no, she was never actually a higher power. That was just, that was just Jasmine. Mm-hmm playing tricks and manipulating her so that she could get mm-hmm. so that she could get Cordy in her clutches. She would, none of that was real. Nothing that happened to Cordelia between like season three and season four. None of it But
5: was uh I feel like um with your welcome uh I will constantly cite I guess at the end also kind of walks back that walk back to the point where like the the powers yeah. owe her one because it's kind of like how in amends like the first says you know is like trying to get rid of angel obviously and it ends up being because literally he's important to the powers that be and it's just like it's one of those things like villains i guess uh going against the powers that be you're like well you're not that important you know you suck really it's just kind of like it's really their one game it seems to be um but also can we just talk about how the powers that be are dicks total dicks <laughs> yes Wow. Can it just be straightforward with things, really? Like that makes things so much easier.
0: <laughs> you know, I was actually gonna say when you were talking about it, I still don't quite know where we landed with like Cordelia and the powers that be. Because yeah, there was like a walk back, there was a walk back on the walk back. And sometimes when I think about that, I'm like, wait, what <laughs> <laughs> I like
5: I imagine she is like actually now for real a higher power. Because when she was a higher quote-unquote higher power like she didn't do anything no. she just like glowed and was got, in the sky right maybe she yeah maybe she's like a real higher power now and does stuff
0: you know uh meredith i wanted you to talk about your thoughts on Cordelia's storylines i don't know that you've really gotten to talk about it a lot
1: i mean it's so horrifying to go back and watch season four the season i normally skip and you know whoever said let's just not call that part of her storyline. I, I feel a little bit of peace. Yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes, And and thank you for saying that because now I can just sort of um, see it for what it is. And, you know, I just thought, what a, these first seasons of Angel where they allow her to evolve. And, you know, when we think about what we start with Cordelia at Buffy and, and it's funny, I have a friend going through it and we're watching, Buffy, for the she's watching for the first time now, and she looked at me and she's like, "Is it okay that I love Cordelia this much?" And I was like, "Oh no, we all do. <laughs> we yeah. all." Do. Yeah. I just want to say, like, one thing about like original recipe,
5: like Cordelia and Buffy. It's like I feel like TV shows t- these like kids these days, like their version of a mean girl is just like super like racist and sexist and just terrible on every conceivable level. It's like just say Cordelia Ryan Murphy, never. Just say Ryan Murphy. You people need to do. <laughs> Uh, yes. yes, Uh and Emma Roberts character.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Cord- Cordelia would, would not, hopefully. And I know, I mean, I think they do such a beautiful job and then they they strip it away from you. And, you know, Ian and I were recently talking about how at this age, as my 42-year-old self, I think about Angel and Cordelia as a couple and what could have been so much more than I did when it was airing. Like, I would have never stood for it then. And now I'm like, oh my God, they actually build all of these beautiful reasons how well they know each other how empathetic she is so no i'm like deeply disappointed and that last episode she she's in somehow makes it worse for me um i you know i just there are some things i really love about angel but i think that i never connected to it as much because you know if my person is cordelia it's hard to get through the whole series loving it in that way um in fact when i was making my list of every woman character i could think of on both shows I was thinking that the arc I loved most or or maybe could write some fan fiction for was actually like Lily and um, all of her names.
4: <laughs> oh my God.
1: Like, Chanterelle.
4: Chanterelle. Like
1: here's a person who like we meet, she's, you know, kind of messy. She needs help. Then we see her again. And then by the end, she's like totally just improved her life. And that was like the one woman I could come up with where I'm like, she is just continuously Rewarded or gets better as she grows, and that yes, she's in like twenty minutes of yeah. screen time. So, <laughs> wait, what about
4: Harmony? Can we talk about Harmony? Oh, oh yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to start? I, I have nothing to say. I just, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about Harmony. Harmony gets to
5: live that. because I guess she's too dumb to die. Really? Yes.
4: <laughs> it's like her. And she gets her, her letter of recommendation. <laughs> yeah. She gets her letter of recommendation <laughs> before Angel goes off to fight. Can the I say I,
0: I remember she watching that episode uh, and being like, "No, no, 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 he's gonna kill Harmony! Oh no! I don't care that she betrayed him. I don't want her to die." And then she didn't. I really thought she was gonna die in that finale. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think we all did, but she's she's out there somewhere. She's she's still yeah. She's still living her. Living her best on life, much like Re- living her best afterlife. Much like
5: Reba, she's a survivor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Uh, also um, alive, living their best undead life. By the way, Drusilla. Drusilla, what a
3: complicated character! I have such a weird relationship to her as an adult. Drusilla what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you like, I don't know if you guys have gone through the same thing where you know, you're re-watching the show as you get older and how you feel about characters kind of dramatically shifts. Um, and mine has definitely dramatically shifted mm-hmm. in terms of how Drusilla was portrayed on Buffy, specifically. Um, because, like, I think Joss Whedon has a thing about, like, quote-unquote female madness, like a sort of crazy-seeming woman, usually a brunette, who may seem crazy, but is also really powerful and may not be able to control that sort of power, kind of like River Tam Mm -hmm. in a way. And so it's really weird rewatching Drusilla as an adult and like thinking of her in the lineage of like pop culture characters who are mad women and and you see male creators sort of deal with ideas of female madness. I know that's sort of maybe a little off topic about some things, but it's just something that's been on my mind lately.
4: Yeah, I don't think that's off topic at all. I think the the weird like fetishization of mental illness in women is extremely relevant to any conversation about women in the weed universe. and verse. I'm glad you brought. Up yeah, that. and it's specifically, you know, that
3: fetishization of women who deal with mental illness in pop culture is something that you specifically see with white female characters. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing a woman of colors mental illness fetishized like that's not how it goes so that's why drusilla is also very interesting to me because there's something about how her her beauty is linked to her madness and also in an interesting way i just did
1: anybody
3: else just yes oh okay yeah oh sorry you probably lost me because of a train going by because i live right near the blue line in chicago um, but I was just saying there's something about the like the fetishization of a certain kind of beauty linked to female madness. And it's definitely white women. And there's something about Drusilla's beauty that I feel like she's so beautiful. And that's also like it's supposed to be the other side of the coin is she's also completely mad. And those things are linked in an interesting way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I think sometimes with Drusilla and even River Tam to an extent, because literally even before you said it, I was like, huh, a a trend in Joss's work, who could have seen that? But um, it's almost like an infantilization, but also a little bit of a sexualization at the same time, like this barefoot, you know, wide eyed woman walking around like, seemingly innocent but also powerful at the same time in the case of drusilla sometimes it felt like you know she'd walk around in these white dresses like a child but then also turn around and you know be drinking blood from the same body with spike and then they'd like you know do it next to the body or something you know it, it, it it's a strange she's always a strange character for me and i and i'm with you angelica i feel like as I as I watch the show, revisit it now as an adult. They, there's there's things that you think about maybe in terms of characters that you might not have before. And Dracilla's al- always been kind of a, I guess a, a conundrum for me. I mean, I do I love her on Angel because I love her and Darla together. Oh,
3: totally. Yeah.
2: yeah, that girl gang kind of you know she's almost like a mother and a sister and a lover, and it's very the way that vampires are is very you know. it, it, it kind of twisted the, the lines are very blurred um but you you bring up a lot of great points with with that character and and I think she's somebody that I'm always gonna feel a little bit torn over um for sure I,
5: I just uh watched uh, the episode reunion of Angel for another podcast and we were talking about like have if you didn't watch Buffy and so you like really like uh Angel's like your only time seeing Trusilla you would think like Drusilla is one of like the biggest badasses there is because you you don't really think about like Drusilla that way especially not on Buffy and it's just like she was like she's still mad obviously but she just has like this uh confidence and like uh kind of like uh aptitude to to fighting in a way you never really saw on Buffy which is how we get the way she killed Kendra in in the lamest fight uh Mm -hmm. ever. But uh, when it comes to like the infantilization of Drusilla, like that's because that's part of like her introduction. Because when it's, it's, I think part of it, especially too, is just like in season two, you know, they're still kind of finding the legs of the show, and so you have like baby Drusilla, who the whole uh, she's weak because like a a stampede, which I'm upset we never got to see the 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 mob stampede that uh, caused her to be injured i don't understand how that that was a vampire but uh just like drink some blood you'll be fine um but yeah that's the reason uh (laughs) and so that's like the first uh part it's just like they're not quite sure exactly what they want to do with this character james marsters hadn't found his accent yet either for spike it's just (laughs) kind of just like all over the place and then because, yeah, then you get, like, the second half of Drusilla, which is, you know, when she's strong again and she's, like, she's, like, kind of running the show. She's working with Angela's and Spike's, like, a little pouty bitch about it. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, like, she's able to be all over the place because she's Drusilla and that's, you know, she's crazy. But it's just, like, you never quite get a proper beat on who she is, I don't think, unfortunately. You know, I think mean, she's an endlessly fascinating character like really the whole core four vampires are all endlessly fascinating
1: yeah i mean she does land so differently now Mm -hmm. and also makes me think so so much about spike and how she's used to i mean he he is at his most engaged with her when he has to be her full-time caretaker which i think says a lot about that character
5: yeah everything uh kind of just hits like rocky roads as soon as he, he 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 can't be the one taking care of her anymore it's like, oh oh spike come on also
0: i wanted to interject real quick do you do you all remember it was like such a big deal when they were restoring drusilla to her powers but she never really got to like like aside from killing kendra in like we said a very lame way we never really got to see be like oh she's full power she's gonna be this like very imposing badass like we never really got that right that's
5: that's what i'm saying like you don't get to see her be a yeah. badass until like uh she's on angel and then she comes back for triangle and i guess yeah she's really like
0: uh crush, crush.
5: it's a it triangle crush. yeah right crush, crush sorry yes because oh, i mean there is a triangle but that but yes uh and crush uh and it's just like so it's like where was this like, like intimidating drusilla the whole time really
0: yeah i feel like aside from it's like oh of course she'll kill innocent victims on her way but it's like oh but also she's a vampire yeah. that's kind of what they do right
1: She's better single. <laughs> I think. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any oh, any no women way. we've missed um, in our in our roundup. Who is a woman? Uh, Joyce. Uh, Joyce is a woman. Oh God! <laughs> Name a woman. Um, Name I mean, a woman. I, especially now that I'm like oh, a woman. That Joyce was supposed to be. I like just wish Joyce is a lot more sex. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
4: I mean Joyce was meeting men at the gallery come on she has that in the episode where she dies she gets laid and then she (laughs) dies I
5: I feel like Joyce was meeting men at the gallery I think she was putting it away I think think Buffy just (laughs) Buffy was like busy going out all night she didn't know what her mom was doing
4: I think that Giles and Joyce got it on more than just the one time
1: in my mind I agree (laughs) I agree (laughs) I hope so. I'm all for <laughs> this rewriting of the show. Remember that she's in LA. I feel like Joyce would have been home just doing, a, I don't know. That was a wild summer. Who knows? You know, she was worried, you know, book club. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to put everybody in the spot, but I was thinking about all the other ways after reading Lindsay's article about like, Cordelia's fate at the end and thinking about where all these other characters are left off um I thought we might go around and talk about where we would have preferred Cordelia to leave us in this universe like if you okay all right um like if if you know you're running that writer's room and you end that series, where do you put Cordelia it's it's a, a um, Carly, I'm gonna start with you. I know it's a tough question.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like, and and bear in mind, this is someone who's literally only seen some of these episodes once. I've seen a few more than once, but the entire season only once. Um, I mean, I don't know if there was a way to do like the higher power storyline for her, but also still have her be like corporeal on Earth. I mean, we've seen other shows, like I'm just thinking off the top of my head, Magician's kind of did it with julia a little bit where like someone who is technically god goddess status but can like exist with their friends and help out maybe and and would maybe have to reconcile like the limits of that ability later on but in terms of wrapping the show like i don't know i would have had her down there you know fighting a little bit maybe influencing the, the sway of events and I know the show kind of ends a little bit on a cliffhanger or like the, you know, oh they're going charging into battle, one last time kind of thing. I would have had her down there with everyone else. So, that's that's my pick. Okay.
1: Angelica. I
3: agree with Carly. Um I think with Cordelia, also I was wondering like with reimagining her end, are we reimagining her ending with the pregnancy written into the show or not? Cuz I mean because i mean i like the idea of, of seeing a, a you know a character as a mother kicking ass and mm-hmm. wrestling with her powers wrestling with her responsibilities wrestling with her relationship with angel and still being involved with them she was in my opinion the best part of the show like she cordelia surprises me at least in you know the first few seasons not season 4 but like you know <laughs> She, she really surprised me as a character, especially rewatching as an adult. I feel like as a teenager, I always, I always liked her, but there was always a distance for me with Cordelia. But as an adult, I connect with her way, way, way more. Like I, I feel her <laughs> and, I, and I totally get her bitchiness because it's my bitchiness. And I just wish we got to see her in that final fight at the very end of the show. And they're all in the rain. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's an, an iconic moment and a great image, but it's missing a key factor to me.
5: Yeah, like, now I'm just replotting the show in my head. So, uh, first of all, we're not having Cordelia's body hijacked, although I, I do love Jasmine. Gina Torres is truly a goddess. Um, let's see. We're not having, quote-unquote, Cordelia sleep with Connor uh, because there's no reason that should be burned into our minds for all of time, and yet it has been. Uh <laughs> Let's see.
4: I don't know what you're talking about. I have no memory of that ever happening. That never you do. Happened. You
5: remember it. We all remember <laughs> it. All the up. alcohols. All the alcohols. the thing is, I also can't imagine like I'm just gonna like Saying that we're, we get to the end of season four the same, but we, we get Cordy still around, as I'm, I'm saying with just like some quick mental gymnastics. I'm like, I can't see Cordy accepting the Wolfram and Hart thing at all, but I find they're probably a more interesting season five if she does, like begrudgingly. And then her struggle with that, I think, is like, it would be very interesting for season five. Especially, uh, I like to imagine that she would still be one to remember Connor, like just her and Angel too. I feel like that is an interesting, would be an interesting approach to the show because it's bullshit. She's not in season five, but we get Spike and he and Angel have hijinks. So yay! <laughs> I you know, people say that season five is like the I best guess. season, and I get very not. I'm not going to say originally. I yeah. get very angry. <laughs> season- yeah, season of- is the there. best. Of- a season of Angel, yeah, if you don't get Angel goodness.
4: at all. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so then what is your favorite se- season? Uh, wow. Two and three.
1: Um, Lindsay, I'm gonna do you last because yeah. you probably thought about it the most. But Ooh, I, you yeah. know, I spent I some of the morning also googling it. the actor who plays Groove. And when I thought about Cordelia having a baby, I was like, well, maybe there's something there where that could have been the father of that baby and he would still go because she loves Angel, but um, that's the child she could have raised. Uh, I just, I I so deeply appreciated this rewatch post Lindsay's article, like just that she, Cordelia, our lovely Cordelia gets to like go on some sort of tropical vacation with that guy and have sex with him like a million times. (laughs)
0: He he he's is a baby. He's very
1: attractive and he he's just very <laughs> interested in her and I was interested in him. So that was the alt plot line I was thinking of. But uh, Lindsay, what, what are your thoughts about this? I know you touched on this a little bit what <laughs> you wrote.
4: Well, I definitely have thought about, you know, it would have been so, it could have been really interesting to have it be, you know, she got pregnant during her relationship with Gru and then like she has to figure out how she wants to deal with that when she Breaks up with Gru because she's in love with Angel. You know that would have been an interesting complication to that whole storyline instead of just like not continuing that storyline at all. Um, but I also, you know, I I I people people say that 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 like supposedly there was this whole other vision for season 4 of Angel that got scrapped when charisma carpenter got pregnant and i just i just feel like whatever it was it could have accommodated her pregnancy you know whatever it was um it, it there's there's just nothing mm-hmm. that it would be absolutely impossible for her to do while while coping with while coping with pregnancy and and becoming a parent, um, you know because because you your life doesn't stop and and this is this is I think why I, I am so I feel so much more strongly about this now than I even did I hated it when it was on the air but I feel so much more strongly about it now because now I have kids and and now I am a mom you know I'm past the point in in the Buffy verse where like I should be dead because my story is over, <laughs> um and and I think it 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 there's nothing that they could have done with that character that wouldn't have had room for her to also be a parent. You know, she, she has, she's this fascinating character, you know, her, she grew up, she grew up rich. She was the, she was the, you know, archetypal spoiled rich girl. And then her family lost everything. And she had to, you know, move and start fresh and rebuild her life from scratch. You know, she has this like grit and this tenacity that I think would lend itself really well to a storyline about her becoming a parent. And how does she juggle, you know, the, the responsibilities of parenthood with the responsibilities of fighting evil? You know, how does she deal with having visions and also, you know, having to put the baby down for a nap? there's that that scene between angel and connor that's like you know basically i i'm sorry i keep putting your life in danger but i have to fight evil and that's you know sometimes that takes precedent over my role as a father like it would have been really interesting to see cordelia try to juggle the same thing um I don't know. I don't have a specific storyline in mind that I would have liked to see. I just wish she had had a storyline. I wish something else had happened to Cordelia after getting pregnant because because I want to see because I just want to see what comes next.
0: Uh, and I just wanted want to. to uh, Lindsay, was it on your article where Charisma I, I, like she had like a little bit of a thread after she tweeted it? She actually had specifically tweeted about what she thought could have happened. And she was like, even if I was a powers that be, like, spirit there to help them fight, I would have liked to be there that way for the end. And I thought about that a lot since I read her, like, that tweet. And I always think about that, like, you know, I mean, you all said, like, so many of these men got to, like, die and come Mm -hmm. back. Like, Spike was a ghost for, what, half that season? And Cordelia, like, was able to come back, but then died, and then never seen again.
4: Right.
0: And I, I agree with what Toya said. I think You're Welcome is, like, a really good episode. It just once you give it it's a really good episode watching it but i think once you give it some thought and also you know that charisma was like fired like without any notice and all that shit it's and knowing that she was gonna come back with saying that cordelia couldn't die like that makes it shittier um and even if we had even if like they were like nope that's the way it has to be like why couldn't they at least have her come back as a like powers that be for even fine she's a ghost she could not be a ghost like they really could make up their own rules it's their universe I, I thought about that a lot. Like, you know, she could have been like, oh, they gave me this power and I can fight and I can right. like, punch and like, I'm not, a, I don't have ghost hands. I'm not gonna go through people. Like I can yeah. help you guys, you know?
4: <laughs> yeah. And and there's no good narrative reason for writing her out of the show the way they did. And and the, the actual real life reason is just that Joss Whedon was pissed off at Charisma Carpenter and didn't want to work with her anymore. And so they like trashed this incredibly interesting and well-developed character and cut off all these incredible narrative po- like potential directions that the story could have gone in um <laughs> so that he could you know satisfy his personal grudge
1: yeah i mean all of the ways she could have come back and ugh, it's so frustrating I mean, I just, I feel like I would have kept her there. I mean, it, listen, they build they build up a really great love story. And for me, it's always about the love story or, you know, le- they're at her best with her when she's figuring out all of the ways she's wonderful. One of the things I love about season one through three is her figuring out, well, if I'm not going to be the rich girl who is popular, who is always beautiful, who am I? And even in those early scenes where she's really still leaning into trying to be an actress and wearing a bikini, right. And all this stuff where she's like, wait, this is not my thing. Like I'm incredible in all these other ways. It's just such a, um, a satisfying arc in that way. And to build all of that up to, to lose it is shameful, but, um, yeah, no, I would absolutely keep her on the ground with everybody and, and thinking about how it would be written now, how all of this would be written now it it would be, shockingly different i assume so anyway um well what what haven't i asked and what haven't we said um beyond our love love for her um she's the best
0: what's that what's that wendy williams what's that wendy williams meme of her being like iconic (laughs) is the moment that's that's all of us about cordelia
5: yeah (laughs) Ian, were you able to find anyone, or like, did you look to see if there's anyone who was not a Cordelia fan to be the the opposing op- like uh, opinion on this podcast?
0: <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> don't think. I think I've maybe had like one guest on Slayerfest out of all like bajillion episodes we've done that like wasn't all in for wow. Cordelia. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm just thinking about like controversial characters on Buffy who some people hate and some people love. And I noticed that none of us brought up Dawn. I didn't think of bringing up Dawn. And I I, I was just about to, but we were still talking about Cordelia. And I'm like, Dawn is
5: technically a woman. She's a little woman, if you will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oscar fever, baby. <laughs> she's a, She's a ball of energy. <laughs> And a woman, <laughs> oh,
3: she's a little woman. That's so cute. Yeah. Justice for
0: Dawn. That's always my uh, my leaning. That's why <laughs> I don't I'm yell. not going to say
5: anything <laughs> about that. I mean, I mean, justice for the way Dawn was like written. We talk about this all the time. For the like season five, she's written like a much younger child. And then, it's like, come on, people, let's let's stop having her yell, "Get out, get out, get out." Come on, do something for her. Do something for her. <laughs>
0: I do have to say I've been, um, because I prep way in advance, I've been prepping for like what I'm going to make the uh, photo art for season <laughs> seven, even though that's like probably a full year away. Uh, and I've been like doing like brief, I'll do like brief rewatches where I'll like fast forward through the episode just to like remember what they wore and who was in the episode to for like planning out the pictures. And I have to say they do a good job in season seven of like making, like when the bringers invade the house, Dawn is the only one that doesn't get knocked out of the scoobies it's like buffy's fighting them all and trying to protect andrew and you know of course she's fighting but like everyone else gets knocked unconscious like immediately except for dawn and they do a good job of like mm. making her more capable and like you said not writing her like a t- weird 10 year old who looks <laughs> skinny, like
5: imagine if buffy had taught uh Dawn some like fighting <laughs> much sooner as she should have
0: right <laughs> i think i say this all the time but i always feel like i'm like some like republican nra member when i'm like everyone in sunnydale needs to learn to fight and carry a stake but like they do
1: <laughs> they really my do my friend who's watching it for the first time keeps saying to me like do, they, do all these people not know So <laughs> she's in like late season two she's like are they gonna acknowledge the, the mortality rate What's happening? they literally
5: they just give themselves like amnesia they all repress so hard all the insanity which is not good for anyone but hey they they admit that it's not good for anyone
0: and i uh (laughs) i did want to i tried to bully my mom into like giving a little like quote for this episode but she was she hates when i make her record patreon episodes she's 73 she like loved buffy but doesn't remember a lot from it and i did want to she said this to me earlier today when i was talking to her uh because she always likes to know what i'm recording about but hates to be part of it um last time we recorded a patreon episode she was like wait can everyone see me and i was like no mom it's just a microphone (laughs) uh she was saying that she looked because cordelia was cordelia and buffy were her favorite characters um and she said that she really liked the difference that sometimes buffy would dress to fight and cordelia kind of still had her like i mean i don't know that i buy that 100 because buffy still would wear outfits that weren't practical for fighting but cordelia like always was very much cordelia and how she acted and dressed, but like also still learned to fight and my mom said she really liked that about cordelia i wanted to see I what everyone that. thought I mean, about that I,
1: I i had forgotten also in this rewatch um watching her really just demand to know and the sexual tension and like flirting with angel as she's learning
0: I go back to that c- oh, that scene where he's like yeah. teaching her, and they're like the chemistry is so good in that scene.
1: Their chemistry, in
5: especially like in season three, is so hot. <laughs> like honestly, it's romantic but also really hot. Like honestly, yeah,
4: it was amazing.
0: And I just want all of my characters to like get it in <laughs> and have some good sex. Like everyone deserves that.
5: <laughs> everyone on Buffy's having terrible sex. <laughs>
1: Poor
0: Anya was having
5: the worst sex, I'm sure of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know she can lay it down.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. When we're talking <laughs> about who needs justice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, Meredith, I thought it was interesting you brought up Anthony's quote, because I do like his quote. like what Anthony, I always go back to that with, like, oh, Anya was learning to be human. But y'all are right. It's like, oh, but also, like, she didn't get to do, like, yeah. it's like yeah. she got left at the altar. That's not really, like, a classic human thing um i don't know and like spike had that same arc kind of but then he came back to life like three months later so it wasn't even
2: right like i've had this conversation i'm not gonna like bring up another podcast i feel like it's a little i keep doing it it's kind of rude but it kind of undercuts his whole he kind of undercuts his whole redemption arc right like his whole like i'm gonna sacrifice myself and you know do have the big hero moment, even though yeah. I don't think that was really earned either. Just to have him come back on Angel anyway, like,
5: yeah, right, and jokes like, like nothing happens. Well, we we talk about that a lot, Ian too. Just like uh, Spike's reaction to these major things that like should kind of like shake his world with a soul, and it's just like, nah,
0: he's still just cracking jokes, just have, having a laugh. Do you all? Do you? I'm curious. Sorry, uh do you all think Anya would it like have paid off better if Anya did end up getting married and like was happy up until that point or no? No,
2: not Xander. thirding yeah, that
5: <laughs> because I, I think it's worse is like getting her married, she finally got what she wanted, mm-hmm. and then you kill her. No, don't do that either. And don't don't let her marry Xander because he fucked up. We we've talked about this. he fucked up.
1: You know when Andrew returns an angel Ugh. as sort of like a talking for Buffy, a representative for Buffy I would have loved to see Anya in that kind of role right like broken up from Xander but like you know working for good and showing up hilariously and living her best life and that's to me like what that character deserved more of like my knowing that she was out there like yeah. doing her thing
2: Right like there's a there's something to be said about her living getting to live a human life but I think it would have been even more powerful if she got to live a full human life, including, you know, living and dying of old age, happy in her bed, like <laughs> being sassy to the end kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, how it, how it, how it went down on the show.
1: Uh. Well, thank you guys for talking about all things Cordelia and the women of Buffy and Angel. Um. And thank you, Ian, for giving me an excuse to do yet another rewatch of both series as if I needed an excuse. Uh, why don't we go through and tell everybody where you can be found? Uh, Carly, where can we follow you?
2: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I'm contributing editor for Sci Fi Fangirls, which you can visit at sci fi.com. Uh, If you like romance novels, I also have a weekly newsletter called Kissing Books. If you want to subscribe to that, that's also on my Twitter. And there's a fun little thing that I do. Uh, Happy endings only. No deaths, really. Everyone gets laid and gets a happily ever after. And that's kind of what we all wanted for the women of Buffy, right? I tied that in. Great.
0: (laughs) Impressive.
1: (laughs) Uh, Angelica?
3: Um, you can find me on Twitter at just my first and last name, Angelica Rugret Spelling, Bastien, B-A-S-T-I-E-N, and all my writing is for Vulture, so that's where you can find me. And LaToya? Uh,
5: you can find me on Twitter at LaFergs, L-A-F-E-R-G-S, and uh, you can find my writing at uh, the AV Club, uh, IndieWire, Paste, and
1: RondaRousey.com. And Lindsay,
4: uh, you can find me on Twitter at ask a queer chick, um, which is also the title of my book, ask a queer chick, a guide to sex, love, and life for girls who did girls. Um, and yeah.
1: And I will say that that book is on my desk at work and I highly recommend it.
0: Oh, um, thank, thank you. you. And Meredith, where can everyone find you?
1: Oh, um, at Meredith Goldstein up until the E because apparently my name is too long um, or meredithgoldstein.com.
0: Tell us about the podcast you host. Oh,
1: thank you. Uh, I also host the Love Letters podcast, which takes on one big relationship question every season through narrative stories. So season three is people saying, how did you know? Like, how do you know when to break up or stay together? So um, yeah. And some Buffy mentions, in that podcast as well, because I can't help myself all. I like
0: that I'm so gay that when you said that, I was like, wait, is it all about coming out? Did I not know what your podcast was about? Because <laughs> when did you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah.
0: I was like, was well, I way not- off on what the <laughs> podcast was <is> about? <laughs> um, Yeah, Meredith, thank you so much for moderating this. Uh, You were fucking fantastic. And thank you, Carly and Latoya and Lindsay and Angelica. I... I tweeted this while I was listening to all of y'all, but it's really cool to have this podcast and have this, like, great, like, list of guests where I'm like, I know that I have faith in all of y'all, that y'all will do this, and I don't need to do anything, and y'all be great. Um, You know, Angelica had emailed me, like, asking what the prep, and I was like, I know you know your shit. You totally, like, just bring yourself. (laughs) Um, So thank you all for doing this. Like, it's really cool that I got to be able to just, like, hand my podcast over to y'all. And uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to follow SlayerFest98, we are at Fest x 98 on all social platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and other corners of the internet. And if you like us, you can subscribe to our Patreon. It really helps keep this podcast going. We have special uh, mini Patreon episodes that are released two to three times a month, and you can listen to them on our Patreon. And um, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, bye. 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 <laughs>